Cartridge blowers out there, this is N64 Life with myself, Cliff Foster, aka the amazing Cliff on the old Twitter, your guide through the world's greatest computer game console of all time, the Nintendo 64, and welcome to another show. Yes, we're back, world famous Shed Studio, and we're back for another show. And this time, it's not a battle for Jinjos. Jinjo! No. No, it's not one of those. The mini history. And I have been looking forward to doing this mini history for a bloody long time. Oh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Not just for this console. I mean, favorite games of all time. It's number two or three, depending what day of the week it is. But bye, Ginger. I'm looking forward to doing this. Ah, oh, it's, it's, it's a lovely time. It's a lovely space. And do you know what else is a lovely space? That is N64 Life podcast on the old Twitch. If you're not listening, watching already, go and do so. Every Friday, every Sunday, 8.30 till 11, we'll be playing the Ruddy Friday stream, which is just a random game. It could be anything. Anything, anything that the random number generator throws at me. Or it could be, thanks, thanks, Soph. It could be that I have to play Superman 64. Superman 64. <sighs> thanks, Soph. I'm not angry. Disappointed. Superman 64, yes. You can earn yourself chat points, and that means you can select any game you wish me to play on the next stream, or there's ones that will instantly stop whatever game I'm playing to make it that I go and do either a death run on Lilac Wars, lovely, or a death run on uh, GoldenEye. Not that we're good at it, but I'll do it. And <laughs> one of the worst ones is the top, top award, which means that you have I have to stop what I'm playing and play 30 minutes on Superman 64, which doesn't sound hideous because you think, oh, well, I'm going to progress. Oh, no. No, Superman 64 doesn't allow you to save until you get past the level. So I've been stuck on the same level for the God knows how many times we played it. Oh, it's like this horrible form of bloody purgatory in Superman 64. God. Uh, and also, if we do, if you're not following already, if we do hit 300 followers, which we're not that far away from, we're only 40 odd people away from being having to play Batman of the Future or Batman Beyond in its entirety as well. Now, as well as those things in the chat points, you can claim yourself a shout out on this very podcast. Yes, and these people have earned themselves a shout out. We got Quaxo. We got Matty Boo, Twitches, Matty, welcome aboard. We got Misha, we've got Neil, we've got Soupy Sexy Dave Fisher, we've got Quax. Again, why you got your name up there twice? Quax has got his name up there twice. And uh, we got Sean, and we've got Sarah. Ah, oh, lovely for you all to join me this today for this lovely mini history 
Oh, your lucky sales. But you can get yourself a shout out like that. Go over to N64 Live Podcast. Join in. Join in the chat. Have fun. Look, we're all there just to relax. Not take this thing all so seriously. Don't worry. I don't take it seriously. No one in the chat bloody takes it seriously. No one's taking this seriously at all. Now, one thing that I do take seriously is my research. And this research has been fun because today it's a mini history. But stick around to the end of the podcast because hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, I we will be having a guest on for our next podcast. I need to confirm who that guest is because <laughs> I, I haven't heard back from someone. <laughs> and I have got loads of people in reserve, so I, I will just fall back on somebody else. So we will have a guest on, so a player two will enter the podcast uh, for the next podcast. Um, as well as I will be announcing the stream after, sorry, the podcast after that, the podcast after that, and we're back on the battle for Jinjos, and it's a triple threat. It's a triple threat. Oh, oh, tease it. You have to wait until the end of the podcast to find out that. But let's do this, a mini history of this game. Star Fox 64, or if you are in Europe, Lilat Wars. This is going to be fun. We are going into a deep dive into the history of how the Star Fox franchise started. We've also been doing a massive deep dive in how this game was created. And not only that, you get to hear my point of view on this game. Yes, my point of view. They're mainly lovely, actually, to be honest. It's that game. Yeah, they're mainly lovely. I think they are. Anyway, we're going to soon find out. Let's do this. So let's start at the beginning. Argonaut Software. Founded in 1982 by teenager Jez San. Taking its name from Jason and the Argonauts, a movie that most of us remember from our childhood. You remember that lovely claymation, typical 1960s uh, drama spectacular. It's that movie your nan made you watch. So you might be saying you loved it, but it is definitely that movie your nan made you watch. Now, Argonaut, they would, they would start off as they mean to continue, because they would create games such as Skyline Attack for the Commodore 64, which it was a it was a flight sim- a flight game with 3D realism, uh, and then they came on to a game called Star Glider. Now, Star Glider came out for the Amiga in 1986, getting you to sit in the cockpit and go around this black planet shooting. Everything from crafts to buildings to tanks. Um, But one of the first games to really give you that sense of freedom in a computer game that you are in charge of this ship and wherever you want it to go and whatever you want it to do, you are in charge of it. And then in 1988, they came out with Star Glider 2. Now this added a different 
element of realism with the colors the graphics volcanoes spewing lava to sunsets um to completely different different levels with these lovely little connections into the levels and being able to transfer over through these little corridors of squareness now i say these corridors because these corridors will become a theme in their computer games almost flying through corridors and then they they went on to create games such as day of thunder for the dos and the game boy and you know there was you know date uh daytona uh plus racing driving not not that daytona Don't sing it! Anyway, they, they went on to create these games as well as keeping on with the PC games and the ultra-realism with the tack for the PC in 1992, which was a 3D flight sim, really getting to grips with that, that element of a flight game and combat game as well with loads of maps and dog fighting on there. Being able to go around a small level, but yet again, foreshadowing. A small level and be able to dogfight with a couple of craft at the same time and they very much stick to that element of uh you know having that flight simulator mixed with a bit of dogfighting as they came up with bird of prey for the amiga now one of the things that they kept doing all the way through this was trying to battle through 3d and they 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 looked at actually let's say a nintendo and the console market you know they've gone on to amiga they've gone on to commodore but the, the thing is is that breaking that at the time in the 90s that console market be that sega be that nintendo they were the gatekeepers for you to create a great game now the thing was was in these consoles they were not powerful enough to run 3d graphics so how do you get around that? And what they did was they, the clever so-and-sos at Argonaut, led by Dylan Cuthbert, created these 3D graphics for the Game Boy. And Nintendo found out that Argonaut were using this tech, their tech, to create a 3D engine for the Game, game Boy. Now, we all know Nintendo. If that was now, Nintendo would shoot it down, destroy it with fire. They would. We've seen it so many times before where modders and developers are trying to use their tech to push something out and they've shot it down completely. But back then, no. It went all the way to Miyamoto. And he loved this idea of this, this 3D game boy game where you could fly around shoot things which would later become a game known as x and he sent 18 year old dylan cuthbert over to japan now miyamoto so looking at the timeline miyamoto has just released two stonking games for the snes and that was pilot wings and f zero but he, he uh, felt too much time was being taken by drawing each of these 3D with Bucky O'Hare areas. 3D games. Because they weren't 3D. 
what they used to have to do was they had to draw every single angle. So it wasn't that you were going around this figure. No, every time you would move, it would be that you, you're seeing a different artist impression. And it was taking up so much time. And it's not really true 3D. So he, he wanted the snares to use true 3D polygons. And he believed that Argonaut were the gatekeepers to that technology. They were the ones that were going to break through and create a true 3D game for the SNES. Now, Jez San showed Nintendo a game that they were working on at the time called SNES Glider. It ran on only three <laughs> frames per second, which... Let's put it like this. If something's running off three frames per second, that's not going good. So he shows them what they're able to do, but then shows shows Nintendo, look, your console can't handle it. Your console is the reason that we cannot create this game. So Nintendo tasked them to create the hardware needed so it could work. Now, they didn't go in half-hearted with this. Nintendo invested over a million into this, which meant San could go off and get great graduates from Cambridge University to help him create the hardware that was needed to do this, an accelerator chip, a 3D graphics accelerator chip, or what was codenamed the Mario chip. But we don't know it by that name. We know it as the Super FX chip. El chip Super FX, el primer microprocesador de análisis tridimensional aplicado a un videojuego. El chip Super FX realiza millones de operaciones matemáticas en décimas de segundo. El resultado juego a velocidad de vértigo donde el tiempo de reacción entre el jugador y el juego es inmediato con capacidad de respuesta en tiempo real nunca antes se había visto nada igual y ahí va todo el cálculo a gran velocidad también se aplica para conseguir rápidos cambios de escala de los sprites de forma suave y continua rotación de fondos en pantalla de objetos y caracteres de forma individual giros espectaculares de 360 grados sobre el propio eje y perspectivas tridimensionales en tiempo real Esto, unido a los más de 32.000 colores que ofrece la paleta de Super Nintendo, con los que el chip Super FX puede realizar cientos de combinaciones, crea la luz y efectos sombreados de estos super gráficos. Otro avance revolucionario. La tercera dimensión conseguida por polígonos que sustituye el sistema de planos o scrolls, combinado con imágenes tridimensionales en tiempo real y tratamiento individual de cada elemento en pantalla. Una velocidad supersónica con una resolución que ninguna otra consola de 16 bits puede ofrecer hoy en día. Imagínate, es de 5 a 6 veces más rápido que cualquier CD-ROM que exista en el mercado. El chip Super FX, a solo un paso de la realidad virtual, inaugura una nueva generación en videojuegos. Pero aún hay más. El chip Super FX es el primer chip de software incluido en el propio juego, con lo que no te tienes que gastar ni un duro extra ni comprarte ningún accesorio. El chip Super FX se incluye en juegos completamente nuevos, especialmente diseñados para este chip y para Super Nintendo. ¿Qué pasó? No puedes hablar español, ¿no? Ay, Dios santo. 
Well, anyway, I couldn't find an advert in uh, in English, so you get the Spanish version. <laughs> but don't worry. So, sh- seen Dune, Sean Dune, Sean Dunn. He has a cousin that is Spanish, Juan Dune. He'll be able to help you translate it, so go and find him, probably. Anyway, but seeing that's not helped any of you out, what does the Super FX chip do? Um, it, it, it helps, basically, <laughs> in simple terms here, none of us, I don't think many of us are, are, are programmers. If you are, hi, you're better than me. But basically what it would do, it was allow the, it allowed the processing to be able to make the calculations quicker, which meant that you'll, you will be able to be able to do more with the the hardware of the console. So it's basically allowing a bit of a kick up the bum to the console itself. Now, Dylan uh, created this tank game. Um, at, uh, it was a tank game and a free flying game. But Miyamoto wanted it on rails, so he didn't want it free roaming. He wanted it on rails. He wanted it so the game could go from A to B. But the major point was this game had to be fun. Bollocks to any funky mechanic. This game, or bollocks to any storyline at this point, all that mattered was that this game kept people playing it. And this is where a battle of ideas, because as a creative, you're not looking for what makes a computer game fun. You're, you're looking for your inspiration, your masterpiece, your piece of art. So this is where a real battle of ideas between Dylan and Nintendo. And every time Dylan stated that they shot him down. In fact, Dylan said, I learned from Miyamoto that no idea... It, must go into a game even if they are good ideas now at 70 percent complete the game did had no storyline it had no body to it so where did that body come from where did where are they gonna get the characters the storyline from now in kyoto japan where nintendo are based there's loads of temples it's a very old japan because that's the great thing about japan and one of the reasons why lots of people go there or people like myself it's their top place they've always wanted to go and haven't actually been into there's loads of this old meets new now there's a temple there called fushimi in oi to <laughs> taisha there we go i got there in the end uh, known for its fox statues and long walkways with thousands of these gates called Tori gates. Now, Miyamoto looked at these Tori gates and went, wouldn't they be great obstacles? Being able to swoop between these rectangle gateways and using the fox as his main character. So Miyamoto took these ideas to Takiya Miyamura, one of the character designers at Nintendo. And basically, Miyamura took these ideas and created not just the main character of a fox, but using Japanese folklore, using a falcon, a falcon 
and a hair and and a toad which was supposedly nintendo uh, nintendo workers bloody mascot so the toad was <laughs> toad wasn't a mythical character he created the characters for this new game now one of the things would go around nintendo was this phrase kenka suahodo naka gai e now i don't know if i've said that right but the major thing is it translates always meant to translate as fighting like dogs and monkeys so how we would refer like fighting like cats and dogs but fighting like dogs and monkeys dogs defending their homeland against a lot of evading monkeys then it came down to the designs of the ship itself and this came down to the pure fact that triangles were the easiest shape for the snes to handle not joking how this ship was created the r-wing was because that those lovely triangles are what the, the snes can handle the best so with all of these ideas came the launch of a revolutionary game you are witnessing a new technology First and only game powered by the Super FX microchip. Danger, 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 danger. Why go to the next level when you can go light years beyond? You are Foxy Cloud in Star Fox, only for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. As we knew about it in Europe, Star Wing was released in Japan on the 21st of the 2nd, 1993. Uh, in North America on the 26th of the 3rd, 1993. And then in Europe on the 3rd of the 6th, 1993. Now, with this came the launch of, you know, you need an advertising campaign. Now, Miyamura had a little bit of not an obsession but a love for the jerry anderson creations such as thunderbirds captain scarlet stingray i mean he's taken those and he's gone wouldn't it be great to actually have physical animal you know have puppets have puppets in these advertising campaigns so what he did is he created these characters falco lombardi peppy hair and born slippy slippy toad yep uh they they sort of gave up with the surnames because their main protagonist was fox mcleod now they use these they didn't just use these for advertising campaigns they also used them for the actual graphics on the car on the boxes themselves which sort of drew your eye to them because it wasn't it wasn't animated it wasn't anybody drawing you your eye was naturally pulled in by these advertising campaigns because you're like oh you 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 know the difference between a physical prop and a digital prop even in this modern age 
you are always more drawn to the practical props. It is always the way. Now, another thing that they did, a clever bit of marketing, was they went around town for town in the US. They knew Japan and the US would be their biggest market. So they went around town for town and did these special Star Fox weekends where you could win yourself a cart. Um, and 800, and maximum prize of $800. Like, it's a huge amount of marketing that went into this game. Now, this meant that this game absolutely nailed it on the market. 2.9 million copies, which meant that they would go straight in for a sequel. Straight in. Argonaut, you've got it. Do you know what? That freedom that you wanted in a game, you can have it now. You've proven it. And now Miyamoto's happy with them to go off and create their sequel. Star Fox 2. Star Wing 2. The problem is, it never came out. Because, as I said, they gave them this freedom. Going back to Star Glider, almost the same as Star Glider, but it, to a bigger, 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 bigger franchise. And they created a new Super FX chip. They complete. They put two new characters in there with Mayu and Faye. You could choose between these all these characters and say who your main person was, who the secondary person was. You didn't have to choose Fox. If you wanted to fly as Falco, you could fly as Falco. And it wasn't linear. It was cr pr protect the city. Protect, oh, sorry, not the city, the planet of Cornelia. And completely protect it against the attacking forces. And you could go and decide what your adventure was. And meaning that everything was different. So uh, imagine conquest mode in Star the original Star Wars Battlefront 2. Imagine that, but on the SNES. And it also introduced Star Wolf to the proceedings as well. And you'd be able to battle off against Star Wolf as well as the ships and the missiles and the planets. You could take and attack them as well, um, as well as converting your your bloody robot, uh, your, your ship into a robot. <laughs> Is this Hasbro? Hasbro, oh. but you could turn your AR wing into a transformer itself, and it was shown off at the Winter CS show in 1995. And some guy even tried to steal a copy, and there was meant to even be a Virtual Boy the game coming out, and then it all just went a bit quiet after these rave reviews. It appearing in magazines. Everything just went a bit quiet. And then in 1996, it was promised. But just never saw the light of day. Until the late 90s. So we're going to skip forward here. But the late 90s saw this game actually come to light. A full ROM of it came, was released. And that meant that people could actually go and play on this game, Star Fox 2. 
And in fact, anybody buying a SNES Mini was given that as a special present. So as soon as you completed the first level on Star Fox, unwrapping the present that was Nintendo saying to you, there's the game. So what happened? This is the question. What happened? Well, what happened was, was Nintendo were creating the Ultra 64, and they knew that it was just around the corner. Did they want to release on the SNES a game that should be coming out for the N64? So Miyamoto had a decision to make. Now, as we've already explained on a previous uh, uh, mini-history Argonaut and Nintendo, they didn't have a rift, but they sort of did have a rift. Uh, Argonaut showing them this game that they created with a Yoshi-like character walking around in an open world. And Nintendo going, we really like that idea. And Nintendo, uh, for argument's sake, taking creative license with it and uh, creating Mario 64. Um, Meaning that Argonaut went, screw you guys and went off and created Croc for the PlayStation, Um, which is a story that we've already covered. So what does that mean for Star Fox? Well, Miyamoto took the realm, uh, the helm at this one. Miyamoto wanting to create a sci-fi classic, not a sequel, but a remake. So this wasn't going to lead on to the events of Star Wing or Star Fox. This is going to be a complete remake. And what he always wanted, a linear journey from A to B. And this was the epic storyline. The Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate inspired storyline that would go along with it. Corneria fourth planet of the Lilat system. The evil Andros turned this once thriving system into a wasteland of near extinction. General Pepper of the Cornerian army was successful in exiling this maniacal scientist to the barren, deserted planet Venom. Five years later, General Pepper noticed strange activity coming from Venom. James McLeod, Pigma Dangar, and Peppy Hare of the Star Fox team were sent to investigate. Upon their arrival, Pigma betrayed the team, and James and Pepe were captured by Andros. Pepe barely escaped Venom and returned home to tell James' son, Fox, about his father's fate. A few years have passed. Andros has again invaded the Lilat system. General Pepper has turned to a new Star Fox team headed by Fox McCloud to save Corneria and free the Lilat system once again. So, released in Japan on the 27th of the 4th, 1997, in the North America on the 1st of July, 1997, and in Europe on the 20th of October, 1997, was released Star Fox 64, or in the UK, in Europe, 
Lilac Wars. Star Fox 64 test subject results. Stage 1, space combat mode. Stage 2, multiple interactive 3D environments. Stage 3, intra-squadron dogfighting. Stage 4, sudden jolt of rumble pack impact control sensor. Introducing Star Fox 64 with rumble pack, only for Nintendo 64. Now, before we go on to the game itself, you just heard a little bit of a new peripheral. A completely new peripheral for this console, which was an insert that went in the back of the controller. So where you usually your controller pack went for games that you needed to save. No. Now you can put Nintendo's new and in the box with Star Fox 64 Rumble Pack. Now this was huge. Now I can't tell you enough how th this game was revolutionary. Yes. But this little peripheral that came free with this console, with the game. This changed gaming. Yes. Look, I'm not being funny. The, the rumble pack yeah it, it does shake your hand off um don't get me wrong it is the start of it but no other console has a vibrating controller that every now it's just seen as the norm you know nowadays it is seen as the norm if you have a xbox controller and it isn't vibrating you're gonna take it back to the shop aren't you but this is revolutionary the first vibrating controller pack which as i said is baffling baffling because then at this point not soon after this playstation went oh we should really do something about this and made their quad quads controller things you know those ones that shake and you know with the next generation it just came as standard like it, it's such a thing that we take for granted as uh, gamers that you could have this this little thing that attaches into the back and that's what they wanted to make this game they wanted to make you feel immersed in it as i said that cinematic feel to the storyline but also making you feel like you're part of this game now as we've already spoken about we've spoken about you know the the importance of storyline but with no great characters you can't have a storyline and he wanted to make this like Star Wars, Star Trek, all, all of those. He wanted, Miyamoto wanted that. But to have that, you need great characters. So let's go into the characters of this Nintendo epic sci-fi drama. We start with the main protagonist, Fox McCloud. Fox McCloud was in the uh, Corneria uh, Defense Force. And drops out when he hears the sudden death of his father. And joins the young fox, then joins the Star Fox team. Uh, quite quite fittingly, because, you know, his, his 
names in the title, really. It's, it's, it's quite a good thing. He did join that team. But he's the main protagonist. He's the Luke Skywalker of this ordeal. Yes, his father didn't turn out to be Adros. Thank f- for that. But at the same time, he's the main protagonist. He's the guy that we're going to follow all the way through this. He's the guy. He's the main character in Lilac Wars in Star Fox 64 that you are playing as. You're seeing it through his eyes. And as we go through this, obviously, at the end, you get to have that lovely moment of dead as he guides you out of Andros's lair. Um, but then we come on to to definitely not Han Solo, uh, Falco Lombardi, an ace pilot and one of Fox's friends. Now, the thing with Falco, he's, as I said, he's not Han Solo. And he's very much an individual, isn't he? And that's not, it's not more evident than actually at the end of this game. Supposedly, it was, uh, it was, um, it was categorized in a manga, Star Wars, so Star Fox, Farewell, Beloved Falco, where he actually left the team. So he leaves, he keeps coming back and leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back. So Falco is very much. The individual. He's the one with the wit. The one that turns around to you and says, Hey, Einstein, I'm on your side. And this holds the question. So many questions. Why is Einstein? How do these animal know, animals know who Einstein is? Is this like is this like Planet of the Apes? Is it like Planet of the Apes that we, we sort of devolved? Maybe with, I don't know, with the animals running naked on one planet. And that's, you know, planet you don't go to. I don't know. I don't know. What, why, how do they know who Einstein is? Is there, is there an animal version of Einstein? And if he's not a walrus, it's not in fitting with his lovely moustache, is it? What, what animal would Einstein... Anyway, and then you have... Slippy Toad, who, as we know, is born Slippy. But at the same time, uh, it, basically, they are research director of the Corneria, uh, Cornerian uh, Defense Forces. But he joins, uh, he joins the Star Fox team. He is the inventor of the Blue Marine and the Landmaster. It's all your fault, Slip. Slip, Slip, look at me. Look at me. Slip. It's all your fault. All your fault. We're going to vehicles in a minute. But it's all your fault, Slip. All of your fault. So he's your engineer. He's obviously, if you're without Slip, that usually means that you're without your, um, it's, it's your, you're without your, uh, shields. You don't know how much shields your bosses have got left. And actually, do you know what? To an extent, when you lose Falco, you tend to lose different routes. Oh, I never thought of it like that. Oh, I might be completely wrong. No, Falco tends to be the one that leads you off into different routes. You know, Falco, where are you going? I found the target. Try and keep up. Oh, I've played this game too many times. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, and then we've got not my dad, uh, Peppy Hare, who is literally friends. He was, he was the part of the original Star Fox team. With James McLeod, which was his dad. He had Pigma Dengar, uh, which is definitely not Wormtongue. Because then he turned against him. And then, yeah, he, he killed his dad. Yeah, he, he, he was the informant. He was the nutty informant. Uh, Pepe he works as the element of 
explaining what the controls do. <laughs> As I always refer to him, not my dad, because he's always telling you what to do. He's always, he's the one that always says, you know, do a barrel roll. Use the booster chase. Use bombs wisely. Um, <laughs> just literally the, the constant torrid of all of those bits. And then you get slippy, go, we get you uh, use use the use the torpedoes. You've got lots of them. So yeah, I've got unlimited one. Thank you. But uh, I mean, I I like Peppy for that whole fact of that he's 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 just there to teach you because there's so many times in computer games that, that trying to teach you the controls and it either breaks character by saying yeah hit hit C C left hit C left if you want to do that. That's, a, that's as much as you're getting from me. Or it, it completely goes, well, well, how have you tried to double jump? And then tells you in brackets how to do it. I think we've, with him, he's, he's giving you a direct command as you need to do it. It's none of this teach you how to do it. He will do it all the way through. Um, Apart from the weird one, which is Sonus, where he goes, follow your father's example, Fox. And that one always confused me. Well, how does... Do, does, does Fox just think of James and just go, <laughs> I'm going to do a somersault? I don't get it. I don't get I just, that, that's one of the quotes I will never get. And one of the great things about one of his quotes is that they wanted to have a line quite like Star Wars. They've all, they always wanted that line like Star Wars, like, use the fast, Luke. You know, they wanted that. And uh, Mita, Mita who it, uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> Mitsuhiro uh, uh, Te Takama uh, said that um, basically they, they wanted to come up with this catchphrase and Takama Miramura uh, wanted this catchphrase to be you know something iconic and the irony is is that this I, I'm looking at this phrase I'm looking at this catchphrase that they came up with because there's so many iconic catchphrases in this. But there's one line that stands out to me. And I think that it's one line that, like I, you see me tweet a lot, keep on keeping on, which is a song by C6 Steve. Um, you know, there, there's certain sayings that have always stuck with me. And one of them is from this game. And that is, never give up, trust your instincts. Because to me, I've always lived like that. I, you know... I know that sounds really corny, but it's it's something that's followed me for my whole life. Trust my instincts. What does my gut instinct tell me to do? What does my gut instinct tell me to do with this situation? And maybe my love for this game has carried on through. <laughs> that I will always, you know, just just go by this. So if you ever see me doing a barrel roll, then you'll know why. Uh, we then come on to a couple of characters. A little bit less known uh, in the goodies. We'll come to the baddies in a minute. But you've got Robo64, or uh, known as Noose64 uh, in the original Japanese version. Uh, basically, uh, it, it, he, he's in charge of Great Fox, the big ship, the mothership that is following you around. That's one of the things that you have in this one. A mothership is a sort of base that you can come back to. Well, no, you don't really come back to it. You you do on a couple of the levels. Uh, you can go and get your 
shit fixed on Sector Z. Um, you know, it, it's one of those places that you can come back and visit to, though. Um, it, basically, though, his name, uh, NUS, stands for the Nintendo Ultra 64, which is ironic, irony, seeing that this game was a success. And do we have to go into the Ultra 60? This, this one podcast shouldn't we shouldn't be talking about it oh we shouldn't be talking about it i don't want to the ultra 64 it's not time anyway uh we've got general pepper who's the one that i love the <laughs> so general pepper uh who's in charge of the uh the armies of uh corneria and i love their little quotes in between i'm gonna put a couple now Star Fox, I want you to take out the enemy bioweapon. Yes, sir. Deploy the Blue Marine. It's almost over. We're in your debt. Come back in one piece, Fox. Will do, General. If you destroy the satellite, we can go straight for Venom. Be careful, Fox. I'm on it. It's about time you showed up, Fox. You're the only hope for our world. I'll do my best. Andros won't have his way with me. Recover our base from the enemy army. Roger, General. Katina is battling the enemy. Will you help him out? Affirmative, General. So you're going to attack the enemy base? Great idea, Fox. It'll be a piece of cake, General. Impressive, Star Fox. Now watch out for enemies in the asteroid field. I won't let you down, sir. Reports indicate that Andros is working on some secret weapon. I'll check it out. Fox, we're under attack. Help us out here. I'm on my way. The enemy army is gunning for you. Be careful. Don't worry, sir. That area's an oven. Don't go burning that R-wing. Be reasonable, Fox. I'll be careful. What are you doing? It's too dangerous there. I can't leave Slippy hanging. There's an enemy base there? Affirmative, General. Okay, I lied. I did put a couple. I put them all in because I can't. I can't miss one of them out. They're just so awkwardly brilliant. Because I I love this fact of. I really hope. I really hope this is all they ever say to each other. There's just these weird awkward silences as well. I think the awkward silences but before the report. Uh, I really hope that. Is real, like, so, what have you been up to? 
Yeah, I had a sandwich today. Oh. So, so you want us four to take down something your whole army couldn't? Yeah, if you could, that would be lovely. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, we got James McLeod as well. As I said, he makes a little bit of a cameo at the end. Um, who obviously goes to a scouting mission and is betrayed by Pigma um, and captured by the evil Andros, uh, who then kills him. Horrible man. Horrible. Uh, and then we've got a couple of people that help you along the way as well. We've got Kat, uh, who's a lone fighter uh, who uh, comes to the aid of the Cornarian Defense Force and Star Fox team. Cat uh, resembles a cat, if you gathered already. Um, basically, uh, she appears uh, on Sonus um, and then helps you later on as well on Sector Z um, to help destroy... Um, some of the missiles that are coming towards you. They're sort of like alluded to, I reckon, that, that there's 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 something there with her and Falco, isn't there? There's definitely something there. Like when when he goes, Cat, where did you go? I, I, I just there's loads of manga actually, supposedly, about this. Um uh, so, so basically in the uh the, the book uh, as in the manga, uh, farewell beloved Falco. Cat appears to have a romantic relationship with another cat with blue fur, whose name is unknown. She sort of, she, though she implies she likes him, she still shows a liking for Falco as well in that. So it's a bit weird how it sort of like tries to, uh, it tries to indicate that there's something between them. Also, another relationship that's sort of uh, thingied up is Bill. Uh, Bill, who appears on um, Katana. So, yeah, Bill is... Uh, it's funny because he's actually... the. If you've ever played Katina, we'll go into the levels in a minute. Katina is like the Independence Day level. And actually, his name is referenced to General William Gray from the 1996 blockbuster film Independence Day. Which is pretty cool, I think. Uh, there's very much, very much. Uh, he's he's a husky dog or bulldog squadrons. So I, I think he's a husky dog. But there's very much that sort of link between him and um, uh, and Fox as well, uh, suggesting that they both may have left the army. Uh, the Colarian army is like literally everyone just leaves them, and then they just have to try and call people back to help. <laughs> Um, but we'll go into levels in a minute. Now, obviously, we've got the goodies. But we need some baddies, don't we, to go along with with all these all these lovely goodies. So let's go into some of these characters. And we're going to start off because one of the things that, as I said, Star Fox 2 uh, introduced was Star Wolf. Um, Star Wolf is great because... It's literally, yeah, putting you against four equal, equally good fighters. Now, obviously, we've all played all range mode, um, especially Katina, which we'll go into in a minute. But you're usually just sort of floating around and you're shooting things. Yet, these guys give you a dogfight. Like, literally, they try and take you down. There's, it's almost, It's almost like they... They've got laser focus on you. And there's backstory to most of these guys. 
um, to link them back to the people in charge. So you've got Wolf O'Donnell, because obviously everyone needs a Scottish surname, who's uh, Fox's rival, um, and so he's, he's hired to take down the Star Fox team. Now, the great thing with Star Wolf is, is it just seemed to be, that you know, even in his quotes, like, you're good, but I'm better. I love that there is that element of he's almost trying to live up to Fox. There's not much of a storyline apart from it, but one person that I've come to love, like people that have joined my streams will know that out of these guys, I have a real soft spot for one of them. That's Leon Pawalaski. Um, or the great Leon. He's <laughs> still in my shtick, though. Or am I still in his? I came after him. Anyway, um, he's a ruthless assassin, um, but he's 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 classy. He's he's almost like that. Oh yes, well, well, I might be a killer, but you're, I I'm a very suave, sophisticated person, and that's what I love about him is that there's this this. Oh, just this it, it's almost like those sort of old bank robber movies and things like that where you'd had that person that is of the upper stature but still a thief and the same with this he's he's classy you know but but he's still a villain um who sort of counteracts that sort of cocky brattiness of um a falco but somebody who who i don't have a love for is andrew Bad guy name ever. Who just targets Slip. I I think that the main thing is he's the cousin of Andros. So it's almost like the cousin of Andros. He's like, oh, God, I've got to give you something to do, don't I? I'm just, do you know what? Do you, do you know what? Just go and join. You see those big fighter pilots over there? Well, go and join them. He does come across as he's just... He's just the... He, he, they needed something for him to do. He, he's meant to be high up. But do you know what? Go and help them guys out. And they're like, oh, you have to take him under our wing. Yes, you do. There you go. Go off with them three over there. Um, yeah, that's shit. no offense to anybody called Andrew. I know people personally call Andrew. I have nothing against the name Andrew. It's just a really bloody name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Galloway. Um, please, he it to Drew. Um, but no, I think it's it's just it's just a it's batty name. It's like and the evil Andrew. It's like come on, come on, give him a least give him a good name. Uh, another baddie in this. Somebody we've already brought up is Pigma Dengar. Uh, which I always say, not Wormtail. And because that thing of, you know, was he 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 became he turned bad, you know, after after being lured away with shiny shiny, you know, oh look what you could go for. And it adds that element of, you know, when he's chasing Peppy, is that element of, you know, that that betrayal. You know, he's honest like this is deep. This is that element of, oh well, I betrayed your dad and the little quips he gives you whilst chasing you it, it, it's it's borderline psychotic borderline psychotic and i love that and I, I i really really dig that um and and actually the the name pigma is a spin on the word dogma 
Um, so it's to say is uh, 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 anti-dogmatic nature. Um, it's oh, I, I think it's just so well thought that character. It's just a shame. Just a shame Andrew wasn't. <laughs> Couldn't have done anything with him. No. Um, but I do, I do love it. You know, Team Star Fox. Sorry, Star Wolf is just absolutely fantastic idea. Now. Another thing that's great about this is the level of character that every boss gives you uh, in this. You know, every level ends with a boss and most of those have a voice and have a real character to them. So let's go through some of those bosses. So let's start. Some of them, some of them are creatures. So let's start. And you've got the ones... Yeah, we, we've got some of them that are creatures so really don't have really a personality like uh, Goras, which is the, uh, the the random runny uh, monster that decides to nick uh, slip at one point. You've got a uh, Volcane, uh, who's obviously on uh, Solace. Uh, you've got... There's there's loads of sort of non-things like, you know, you've got Gargon um, just before you get to Venom. But I think we've we've some of them have got really good personalities, like the train driver or Macbeth. I, I love him, and you know he's he's not the best. You know you've got the likes of you know you've got the uh, Sura Marine uh, in Sonus, the sort of pirate esque uh, villain that decides to mock you all the way through. You've got the uh, Runham Gol Golmec. Uh, like the golem that sort of just running along, running away from you. Uh, if you go the easy route on the venom, um, one of my favorites, though, we'll go through a couple of my favorites. One of them is Spyborg. Now, Spyborg is the robot, the secret weapon, the sacred weapon that's almost a childlike. I mean, like, he's he's like he's he's asking for the crate all the time, and there's a, almost an element that they're mocking him, but. It's really, like, sad because he's gained this intelligence. Like, he's gained this overall intelligence. And it is a bit, you know, uh, Space Odyssey that he's gained this intelligence. And he's he's trying to come to terms with things. And before, before sooner rather than later, you know, Fox isn't giving him a chance to come to terms with things. <laughs> Even hits poor Slip out of the way. Um, but the major one that I, I always will love is... You cocky little freak, uh, which is Shogun, which is the guy that goes around in the mech suit, that's sort of flying around, and he's just literally that whole thing of, you cocky little freak, will always stick with me. But there's just so many cool things about these. You know, the Metroid cluster, uh, Crusher from um, uh, the, if you go the easy route on uh, the uh, asteroid field, you know, he's he's really like, oh, you've beaten me, now I turn away. You know, I think that this is the great thing about this, is that all these characters, because of the voice acting as well, which is fantastic, will go on to later versions later on. But I think the, the voice acting is so good, it's so immersive, that it makes you care about even these villains. Like, as I said, I, I think it's quite... Like you know, with with the poor robot coming to the conclusion of who he is, but the, we we come onto baddies and there's there's one baddie we have missed, and that's the evil Doctor Andros.
now Andros is so crazy. If you, if you, he's the main villain. If you don't know who he is already, I don't know why you listen. Um, <laughs> he's the main villain, and this whole thing that he was that crazy, he was kicked off of Cornelia, and he he was then sent to Venom, and he was like that. Venom was on the outskirts of the galaxy, and it was almost like he sat there and waited five years to then come and attack again. And then obviously got hit back and then attacked again. Now, the whole thing of him just being head and hands, obviously, that could well just be because of, oh, well, that's what worked when creating this game. But there's this whole thing of actually you start kind of experimenting on himself, which makes sense of why he made a robot version of him. Spoilers if you do the easy route. But I think this whole thing that he's developed himself into just this hand and he's able to live without his physical body and just his brain is just, oh, brilliant. Now, as a baddie to face off against. Now, it's one of those things and everyone who has seen me do a death run, no, no death run, will know that I used to always get to that point and I just lost the technique of be beating him. Now I'm able to do it every time. It's so much easier. But it's one of those things when you're facing off against that brain. If you don't know the tricks of it, it's like a 16-bit um, like a 16-bit uh, game. that like you learn that pattern that he's going to make every time. And he's, he's a tricky final boss. And yeah, once you, once you know it, it's a bit easier. I've got to admit. But, and I won't give away the pattern here because... It's something that you all need to go and witness yourself. Now, the bosses, the characters, there's so much depth to them. But what about these levels? So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to, because I, I do a top run all the time. Now, I, I do a top run because all express how odd I am. Um, but that doesn't mean these are my favorite levels. So, I'm going to do something. I'm going to grade them. And why? Ow, me head. Ow, that really hurts. Jesus. Simon, why did you do that? Oh, you haven't even got any cushioning in your head. Why? Because, do you know what? I feel like it. That's why. So let's grade every single level in Like That Wars slash Star Fox 64. So, grading. So, I will be rating like we were in school from E to A. Uh, what I actually think of all these levels. Now, we're going to start with the hard path. Now, the reason is because it's uh, something that you guys have seen me do a fair bit, to be honest. Um, we're going to start where well, we, we won't just start on this hard path. We're going to start where it all starts. And that's Corn Area. Corneria. And I think Cornelia City, it, it sort of comes in, you're coming off the ocean and you, you come straight in and you're shooting on bits and you've got skyscrapers and signs, electronic signs, giving you messages and stuff like that. And, you know, it's willing you on and you sort of go through the city and you, you're shooting things off the train tracks. You're shooting the robots that's trying to push bloody buildings on top of you and throw pillars on top of you. And you're sort of getting used to the game as well as, you know, go 
the lovely water graphics on that level as you sort of the water sprays coming off your wings you're sort of going through this if you're going the hard, trying to go the hard route so you're going through those lovely little curving tunnels like we said you know miyamoto took from the original game um as well as sort of as I said just really getting used to the graphics now if you go the easy route you've got two bosses so if you go mission complete you have to go through all of those little as you come into the water you go underneath each of these tunnels and at the end uh, falco goes so falco where are you going i found the tiger try and keep up and then you face off against the end bosses and it's lovely that end bosses because it's the original end boss the original emboss from the original game if not if you don't follow him through that if you don't go through all those tunnels then you end up going the easy route so the mission accomplished which means that you go into an all uh all uh all range mode first all range mode you know back in 1997 that's it's pretty cool you know going into that all range mode it's it's really really cool and you face off against this robot which pretty much you just take out his leg and then shoot his back <laughs> poor robot but Going that easy route, it's it's, it's one of those things. Is I'd, if I was to complete this every time, I always go the hard route because it's nice to face off against that original Star Fox villain. Um, it obviously, it's, it's nice to face off. Well, I think the, the, it takes homage, the other villain, to the robots that you do get in the original Star, uh, Star uh, Fox as well. I think it does take homage from that. But at the same time, yeah, it's nice to face off against that Ed Boss. Now... Obviously, if you're going to go to the easy route, then obviously all everything starts there. So you go hard route or the easy route. Then you've got the central route or the bottom route. Now, so then we go the hard path. Let's go the hard path together first because this is what I play the most. And we start on Sector Y. Sector Y is where you face off against all of the lovely uh, Shogun robots, uh, the ones with the shields. And yeah, you face off against those and you sort of, facing off against a first fleet so basically you you've got you you're there to protect the fleet and then you're like where's all the baddies oh there they come from above and start dropping bombs and you know you're going through it and defeating the baddies now the major thing on this is is to get this completed and i never can remember the bloody points to get this completed you have to be over a hundred points so your points at the top you have to be over 100 points. If you're not over 100 points, you've only mission accomplished this. So it's not a fact of that you go a different way. And um, it took me a long time to figure that out as a youngster uh, to figure out it's actually to do with the points. And because I was looking for a different route every time, I, I wasn't then gaining the points. So I never could get to Accurus easy. Nowadays, there's a couple bits in it that you know that you're right on the right track um, where either you get towards the end and if you're not on the right track uh falco will say um uh, is that the best you can do or if not then um uh peppy uh, peppy gives you that or you'll become more more like your father um after you say we're gonna break through that this fleet so you tend to know that you're on the right path at that point i think if you have achieved over 100 already it pretty much just gives that to you um, I think that's when it does. I don't. It must be over a certain point. I've never, I've never paid that much attention to have a look. So if you then do mission uh, complete that, then you go on to Acrius. Now Acrius is just a mission accomplished. There's no way of failing Acrius. Now there's also no way of failing it 
actually playing the game because as you all know there's only one way to play Aquus and this is actually do you know what we're gonna hold that we're gonna hold that for hold that for hold it in your hands because we go on to the blue marine um obviously mainly in the game you're playing as the AR wing but occasionally you play as uh the land master or <laughs> the blue marine uh it's 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 funny because as you're down there in Acris, uh all the way through slippy's going slippy's pretty much praising his machine and falco's going you're gonna die <laughs> oh, falco he's all the way through even peppy i think says a couple of things like all right guys they're literally sat in the Great Fox, watching down. It's just sat on the top of the water. They're literally just watching as you're swimming along. They're giving you some form of air support or shooting into the water. Or how about creating for, it for the things? No, they just sit there and they mock you. Anyway, I just realized I forgot to grade them, haven't I? <laughs> Oh my god! Wait a minute! Right, right. <laughs> I'm not going back and editing that. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> so, so, grading. <laughs> Corneria, I give a B. It's a nice level. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Sector Y, I give a solid B2 as well. It's an enjoyable level. Acrius, I'm giving a D2. Now, the reasons. <laughs> it's alright. It all comes out of the wash. Um, The reason why I'm giving it a D is, is because it's so easy. Um, the Blue Marine, it doesn't give you any difference. The major thing is it's unlimited torpedoes. So the major thing is with that is all you do is you sit there, do a barrel roll, shoot your laser. So you don't, you, you, you spam it. You spam all three at the same time. Barrel roll, bloody, do a barrel roll, fire your missiles and yeah, fire lasers. That's all you do. And you just aim where you're going. And if you do that, you you there's one bit that you need to break um just before the boulders come down on you but honest to god it is the easiest level like the easiest level so i'm giving it a d and then sonus sonus with those lovely spotlights yes if you want a mission accomplish this don't get hit by the spotlights if not you're off to Macbeth. now this is the major killer with me Oh, it's so annoying. Um, this, uh, do you know what? As a level, though, uh, there's a lot going on in this. There's so much going on. And I've always said that this, that you've got, uh, you, you're getting hit by all angles. You're getting uh, the, the, <laughs> the random bloody lizard creatures uh, that are flying after you that don't seem to be hurting anybody, but they tend to hurt everybody. Um, they're flying after you. You've got this random, like, Loch Ness monster that you, you're just there to avoid it, really. Uh, it's a shame that wasn't the end villain. I, I swear they were... I swear they were planning to do something with that. I don't know. 
Um, and then it introduces Kat as well, who, yeah, says some things that I'm like, no, come on, come on. Don't, don't degrade this. Don't you turn into a female 90s stereotype cat. Naughty cat. Um, is that the best? Is, is there any way to treat a girl? No, cat. No. Stop. Stop. You're badass. Remain badass. Um, yeah, I'm going to grade uh, Zonus a C. Um, I don't really like the end boss as well. It's not. It, it's, it was pretty frustrating when you were a kid. Trying to figure out, you know, that you're meant to hit the um, exhaust pipes before hitting the edge, then hitting the crane, then hitting the other leg, and then he just goes absolute ape shit at you. Tends to hit you after you've killed him. So he's got, uh, obviously, the boss has got this big old, like, um, uh, morning star, I would say, and he fires it out, and he tends to hit you. He tends to have one more fire after he's dead. So he has these like fire cannons and he's shooting them. You do tend to get hit once or twice. Um, but it's just if you switch off like, ah, I've killed him. He tends to hit you with that. And the amount of times that takes out a wing is so frustrating. So frustrating to go into the next level without gold, blue lasers. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to give it, a, yeah, I'm going to give it a C. I'm going to give it a C. It's just just too much going on and then we come on to my first e and that's sector z so sector z is you're flying around for some strange reason the great fox has just funny enough just found itself into a load of rubble and now it's like oh please protect me oh no i'm being attacked there's one cool thing about it that you could go inside get your ship repaired if you do damage it but bloody gets it damaged uh, the major thing is just really annoying with those missiles. They only come from one direction. Not that one direction. They only come from one direction. And, the, you know, it's always coming from the bottom of the map. And the, the thing is with that is I always think it's just a bit... Like, if they were all coming from each side, it makes it a bit difficult. Um, nine times out of ten, you're going to be able to do it. Um, as long as, you, as long as you've kept your blue lasers. Um... That's the major thing. If you haven't kept your blue lasers, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. Um, and it's always easier as well if you're going across the top route because Cat does destroy one of them when you get to free, um, which is pretty handy. Um, but it, it, after a bit of practice, you tend to find you, you've got it now. Sometimes you get a bit squeaky bum time. Um, as you're getting close, closer, he's saying that it's, it's X amount by not telling you how, how many clicks away it is, and he's just just telling you as it approaches, gets further. Oh, it's just so annoying. But we come on to the first top-graded level because it was difficulty, it's, it's brilliant, brilliance, um, and that is Area 6. Um, Area 6, I really enjoy. I feel it's got a feel of a final fight to me. You know, you're facing off against the big ships. The Star Destroyer, Andros, the, the Andros-looking Star Destroyers. That's exactly what they are. And I think that it's, it's brilliant that you're going through the middle of this fleet. And, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot to say. It's a mission accomplished at the last level. Just don't get hit, uh, missiles hit with the Great Fox. Fuck me, this is turning into a random mess. Enjoy it. Bear with it. Um, <laughs> but I, I really love that whole level. 
and it feels really final and that when you do get to that uh you know they pass the first line you know they did yet not yet sir um dang blow it now i think the whole stage is that and it's really difficult it's a really difficult level if you're gonna lose a life it's usually that level and the uh, i really like the gorgon at the end the gorgon even though yet again if you get into the habit you know it's patterns but those arms can cause you nuisance uh, the ships that it fires out that just just torpedo you uh that kamikaze you they can cause you a nuisance as well um even the sort of uh, the the rainbow gun that it has uh that that can cause you a bit of a mischief as well um even though you sort of go bottom right it tends not to hit you but sometimes it does you know sometimes if you go there a bit early it will hit you um so there's always you know that that's the hard path so oh we i'm gonna give that an a area six i'm giving an a uh we'll come on to the venoms in a minute because the small path this is some these are bits that you don't really see me do and you've got meteo uh the meteorite uh level which i really love it's one of my favorites and that's i love it when you mission complete it when you go uh it through all of the little circular bits and you go when you go quicker and you're starting speeding up when you nail that you're like yes and you go into sort of the warp speed i love that bit i think that makes it that brings it back to that um the original as well where you you do that and usually face off against the big sort of um the big fruit machine i really like that and i think it's as a level it's really nice as well as the emboss if you don't do that the the emboss after you do that it's it's very it's very traditional uh star fox boss i really enjoy it uh it, it's a fairly easy boss but i just love that whole meteor level it makes you feel like you're watching the meteors in distance you're putting your brakes you're speeding up you you know you 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 realize which ones blow up you realize where those silver rings will be where the gold rings will be you know you're realizing what will break you you learn where your your gold rings are because there's certain bits where you destroy i think it's just a flipping enjoyable level so i'm giving that one an a as well um and then we come on to ficina ficina is the the first level you face off against star a star wolf um and you have to go inside this uh this this science uh, the, like this laboratory i think it is um where they planted a bomb and you have to defeat you have to defeat uh star for uh star wolf to be able to do that i uh, obviously you go around and destroy the other ships beforehand i quite like this level um it's i i i always say that it's a shame on the top run that you don't get this level to face off against star wolf because spoilers you face off against Star Wolf if you do the top run, and they talk to you as if you faced off against the against them before, and they've got like the metal eyes, and we'll go into that in a minute. But you know, I think that it's just if if I was to move one, I would always put uh, Ficina at the top, maybe to replace. <sighs> I wish wish it was Acrius. Um, I don't know which one. Maybe even Sector Z, and then move them. Move them all up one. Get rid of Sector Z and then sort of put Ficina just towards the bottom. Um, I, I think it's a relatively nice one. It's obviously when you first... Most of us have always first faced up against Star Wolf. So I'm going to give it a B. Um, Sector X, which is the mysterious space base. 
Um, a frustrating one, an annoying one. Uh, there's, there's three ways that you can go about this. There's two ways that you can end up mission accomplishing it. And there's one way that you can end up uh, comp uh, only mission completing it. Sorry. Yes, apologies. There's two ways that you can mission accomplish it. Um, and there's only one way that you can mission complete it. Um, so when you, when you mission accomplish, you have to shoot through. There's these four warp gates. And if you, if you go through these four warp gates, you end up at Sector Z. If you are, if you take out the spy Borg quickly, you end up going the center path um, uh, before he hits Slippy. Because if you don't defeat him quickly, he will slap Slippy and you'll end up on uh, uh, Titaner. Titaner. Um, Titaner is our next level. Uh, what am I giving that? I'm giving it a C. I'm giving it a C. I do like the final boss, but the actual level in itself is just really annoying. It's a bit annoying, especially if you're trying to get through the warps as zones. Doesn't matter how hard you hit it sometimes. You just you can't open these bloody gates. It annoys me. Maybe I'm just a bit stroppy. Then we've got uh, Titaner. Now, Titaner is the first time you have to face as the Landmaster. Now, Landmaster. Do you, know, do you know how much I like dislike the uh, yeah the Blue Marine? Well, you you add about forty onto that. The Landmaster is sometimes where this game I just think to myself, it is a nice idea. I think it works to an element, but oh my god, a game on rails. I think the the Landmaster would have worked if you are in a uh, all range mode for the level. I think it would have worked, but when you're on rails, oh my god. Um, We'll come on to another stage that you have a landmaster in a minute, but I think that it's in this level. It's a pain in the ass, and it's you've you you're on this level, and there's sort of big alien animals that are trying to attack you. They look a bit like the the ones that sort of land and dig their sort of legs into the ground. It looks a little bit um, Starship Troopers. Uh, there's a f ton of mines. Like in this level, there's just way too many mines um anyway so yeah so i'm gonna give this one a d as well if not an e really don't like this level i'm sorry i really don't like this level i i think when we've Macbeth, when we come onto it it's it's much more well thought out I, the boss is a pain in the ass to face off against as well it doesn't seem to yeah it's it, it I, I don't like this level Maybe this is my least favourite, or even uh, Blossy that comes up next, which is where you have to, before you land on Venom, that you have to destroy this sort of, this is on the easy route as well, where you have to destroy and get rid of the shield generator in the middle. I, I'm not a huge fan of that one either. And then we come onto the centre path. The centre path has all the loveliness. Katana, Katina, we've already said this, the Independence Day level. That level everyone remembers. Um, I love it how you have the mix of, it's not just, you're not shooting everything. You, you, you've you got the enemy ships, which are black, and then you've got Bill's Lot, the, the white and green. And it, I love the feel of it. I love the when the mothership comes along and taking out the mothership. It's really, really well thought out that you've got the four... Uh, the four ports where the, the ships are coming from and then you've got the centre port that you take out as well. 
I just love it. And obviously, it is so... It's it's uh, obviously ripping off Independence Day. We all know it. But it just makes me start a smile. So I'm giving uh, Katina, Katina, I'm giving it an A. Um, then we come to Sonar. Sonar's a lovely level as well because it does make you think like you can't go too low down. It will destroy your ship. You're constantly looking for bloody silver and gold hoops to keep your your vehicle going. So your vehicle going. Um, I love the final boss as well. I think if you're looking at Titan, a Titan, uh, the frustration with that boss. Actually, Sonar, Solar, it, it's the the bioweapon is very similar um but i do i like him i like him i like him a lot he likes it a lot i do um and yeah it's another one of those ones no matter what you do you just need to complete that level and then we come to macbeth oh i'm gonna give solar a uh a b um and then we come to macbeth now obviously isn't the landmaster but i love macbeth it's one of those levels that just gives you that element of it, it, it could go all wrong it's quite quite same as zonus that it can just go wrong on a dime and you could end up having to completely messing it up um oh that's a hard one I, I really like the train bit at the end the baddie obviously if you want to take on the baddie you take on the baddie or if you messed up and missed one of the ports uh be careful uh, you, your friends do say they've got the left-hand side quite a bit, and they tossed it. Don't. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do, I do like Macbeth. Do I give Macbeth a B or a C? I'm gonna give it a C just because it's in the Landmaster. But I do like Macbeth. And then we come on to the Venom final stages. Now, the easy stage, the Venom easy stage. Yes, it's. I really like the opening level. I really enjoy the opening level of, you know, flying through and you get a feel of what Venom's like, you know, you get that feel of what Venom's like and then you, you face off against the sort of golem creatures running through the, uh, the, running through the temple and you're taking him out and I really enjoyed that where you think, oh, it's a piece of wood, uh, sorry, piece of stone and then you're taking down the levels and you actually get him down and giggity. Uh, and he's, uh, in the end, just a robot in disguise. Not that sort of robot in disguise. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, but at the same time, when you face against Andros, it's a bit easy. All you need to do is face up against his head and shoot the random robot version of him that will just charge you. So there's nothing to that Andros. So we come on to the last... The, e the hard uh, version of Venom. Hard version of Venom. You face off against Star Wolf. And bugger me. This is the proper Star Wolf. Uh, as I said before. It's a shame that you don't have uh, the first fight with St Star Wolf in there. Oh. What am I going to give? Oh, sorry. What am I giving Venom? What am I giving Venom? I'm giving Venom easy C. Um, or in fact a D. Just because it's just a wet squib at the end. When you face off against Andros. Um. I would, and also, it also has the same uh, cutscene as this one does, as the hard one does, yet you're never in that moment. You're in a temple. Come on, Nintendo. That's really lazy. There you go. That's why it gets its D. But we're going on to, as I said, the final fight with uh, the Wolfies. Uh, I, I enjoy this. I love this. 
it can be really challenging. Uh, it depends how much battered you up uh, you are after area six. I, I, you can come into this on like one laser going with nobody with you. Uh, you need everyone with you. You technically need at least double lasers coming into this. Because if not, you're losing a life. And you know how I feel about losing lives in uh, Star Fox 64. Um, it's it's a good one. It's it's a bit. It's a B. It's a B. And then the final fight with Andros, which is a B as well. Um, I I do like it. It's a challenge. Once you've learned how to face Andros, you sort of lose that. No, you don't. And that's a lie. You do always have that edge of your seat moment when facing off against him but the major edge of your seat moment is when you're trying to escape because bugger me you turn incorrectly and you're usually on very little health at this point if you turn incorrectly that's it you're gonna you are an absolute gonna so and then then you win and then you get your big check at the end <laughs> Dear. Um, it's. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about the multiplayer, I suppose, haven't we? Uh, we can, we can talk about. Well, do you know what I love? Let's talk about why multiplayer's all right. Multiplayer's there. Good on them for putting a multiplayer for four-way split multiplayer. It, it's there. It's a thing. Uh, it gives you something else to do if you want to break away from Golden Eye. It isn't all singing or dancing. Uh, the only weird thing is, is when you can you can choose to be them. Uh, you can choose to be uh, the guys running around on the floor just shooting a laser. Uh, the great thing is actually talking about those is uh, you notice how weird they run uh, in that final cutscene. Uh, that is because they wanted to keep that puppetry uh, element to them uh, from the original, uh, which is true. Um, the, 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 but the multiplayer is just there. I, there's not much to say going around a couple there's two levels you can go around i think it's sector z and uh Coronania. and uh, yeah i that's it's there it's a thing um but why do i love star fox 64 um now as somebody who's only been introduced to star fox 2 very recently um what i love about it is that i, I love star fox 2 i love going back to it i i it is Star Fox 2, if you haven't ever played it, go and do so. It brings a smile to my face. I bloody love Star Fox 2. I love Star Fox 2 over Star Fox 1, the original Star Fox. I, I, I really do. I really enjoy it. It is a game that I go back to, and it's more likely going to be a game that I switch on now uh, after recording this. Um, but I love it how it's, it brings into both elements of Star Fox 1 Star Fox 2, and it makes one big game out of it. Um, and I love it that it was... I, I never had a SNES, so I never played the original Star Fox before owning Lilac Wars, or in fact playing it for the first time over my friend Dan's house. Um, I never had that. So it's nice that it didn't do a sequel. It, it's almost rebooted. And the beginning title scene tells you that whole story, and it tells you the stories it goes along. You know, storyline is so important in computer games, but this just does it magnificently. Um, it tells you that story as you go along. And my three favourite games of all time, we've already covered one of them, Ocarina of Time. This is another one, and another one we'll come on to later on. I, I think that's the underlying thing with all of these games. It's the storyline 
and how it brings you through it is like star wars they succeeded star fox 64 slash lilac wars is like star wars it's beautiful and no matter how many times you pick that up you feel like it's the first time you get that enjoyment off of star fox there's not a time where you cannot put in star fox 64 and not enjoy it now they did make latter versions obviously star fox went on to different things afterwards Star Fox adventures ah shit yeah we, we, i think we'll leave that to another time anyway <laughs> we're gonna leave this on a high um and obviously it, it never really it never really had a moment out you know this was its high this was its high this is a massive shame it's a huge shame but one it did have one last hurrah this game and that is the 3ds version so star fox 64 3d now there is one gripe that i have and i have people that i, I you might be listening to this and we have spoken about our love for this game it is beautiful absolutely stunning it is always nine times out of ten in my 3ds which is sits in a little zelda like lever hold faux lever holder not proper faux lever holder that's sat by my gamecube it's always in there with full charge ready to go just in case i ever want to play it but I usually listen to it on on silent that's not because the sound effects it's not because of the music because the music epic it's because the voice acting now they changed the voice actors um and there's a couple actually came back for uh different uh the, you know repeats like kagi down a freak but um yeah they changed it and i mean like all of that empathy all of that i think the major one that makes me ugh, cringe every time is as you come into uh you know come into the city and falco goes this is horrible and he, he has this sadness to his voice in the N64 version. In the 3DS version, it sounds like he really doesn't give a shit. And that's the whole thing. It sounds... It's very B-movie. And, and there is an element that is a bit B-movie all the way through Star Fox 64, but this makes it uber B-movie. So I'm glad they got its rejig, you know, rejig. And I really do hope that that version finds its way to the Switch at some point. Uh, or, you know, it gets another re-release. Um, and I do. I seriously do. Because it is it's a phenomenal piece of, piece of work. This game, I can't... Uh, the reason why it's on its own mini-history and isn't in a Battle for Jinjos is... Name me something it can compete against. Name me something. There is one game, but we will wait until towards the end of our run with this. There's one game, but I need to really sink my teeth into it. Because if I come into it now, some of you who are experts on this console know there's another linear experience that would take you through, like, almost on rails. There was another Nintendo journey, but I need to play more of it. I, I know there's people that listen to this stream that love that game but i can't come into it without playing that for about a year constantly because <laughs> if not it's just unfair 
there may well be a time where I turn around somebody that is a N64 expert. I know that they love this game. And I might turn around to this person and say, you need to do this podcast with me. And we need a referee in between us. Maybe, maybe even that's the live event. Maybe, maybe one day if we do an N64 Live Live, maybe it will be uh, Lilac Wars, Star Fox 64 versus Center Punishment. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's what, that's maybe that's what I tease you all with. We'll find out later. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. That was a mini history of Star Fox 64. Slash Lilac Wars. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Thank you very much for listening. As I said, there will be a uh, player two enters the pod. You have to wait and see who that is. Uh, Hopefully it's the person I want it to be, but we'll wait and see. Uh, But there is a battle for Jinjos to announce. Here we go. So next time... Well, not next time. The time after that, we will be having a battle for Jinjos. But this battle for Jinjos is not for one game. This battle for Jinjos going to be free. And these free games are these free games. You know what I mean? Tetrasphere. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen. We're going down the route of puzzle games, something we have not done yet. And the next game that we'll be facing off is... Wet Tricks. Yes. That weird, weird, weird puzzle game. That, uh, yeah, well, we're going to that. We're going to that. Well, the, what is the best puzzle, puzzle game out of them two? But do you know what? Not facing off against that. Nah, nah. A Tetris Sphere, you know, new concept. Wet Tricks, new concept. But what about a golden oldie? But Tetris, yes. So we're going Tetris Sphere, which is you know, a sphere-like 
obstacle. And then we're going to go into each retrix, which is, you know, water making lad higher and wet and shit. And then <laughs> we're going to go into new Tetris. Out of these, what is the best puzzle game? Now, is it going to go in a couple of weeks' time? We're going to do puzzle games in a couple of weeks' time. We're going to fun. It's still going to be like, going to be fun, isn't it? Anyway, um, as I said, we've also got as a player to end the pod next time around as well. That that'd be nice. That'd be lovely. And obviously, if you want to know where to find me, other than this element, then come and watch the stream on a Friday or Sunday, eight thirty till eleven o'clock on N sixty four Live podcast. On the old Twitch, if you want to come and speak to me on Twitter and come and see my tweets about my um my GameCube memory card formatted, <laughs> this is not a problem you have with the N64. Anyway, yeah, if you want to come and see that, then come and give the podcast a follow on the old Twitter N64 Life Podcast. If you want to follow me, it is the amazing Cliff on Twitter as well, as well as Instagram for us. Uh, that's N64 Life Podcast. If you want to send me a little email, you can do N64 Life Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to come and join the lovely community of N64 Life, then please do on the old Discord. It's in the show notes. If you go down to show notes, you see a little link on there. You can come and join us over there. Lovely. Mainly talking about coffee, you know. Do mainly talk about coffee. And uh, if you want to come and catch me. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much it. Easy. Oh, I forgot. What do you want? Yeah, easy as well, aren't you? Say hello to Jiggly Chuff. You're still not over, are you? You're not. She's a little dickhead. <laughs> He's here. He's actually here. The whole point of the last Twitter, the last podcast you had, he's broken in. It's because there is an actual bottle of Jiggly Chuff sat here in the stream. Yeah, sorry, sat in the world famous studio. So if you're watching the stream, you can see him. He's here. He's literally here. Anyway, that's it. Another show done and dusted. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And if not, I'll see you all. Debbie. Debbie. Soon. <laughs>